Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. If you're visiting with us or have been away for a while back, not much has changed in the sense our mission is still the same, to make Jesus the hero. Ultimately, we know he's the hero. And so in life, we have a few options. Either we be the hero, we look to something else that God has created to be the hero, or we look to Christ, who is the ultimate hero, to be the hero. And so that's our aim, that's our goal, and that's our mission, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout all of life. And so if you're visiting, that's why we exist. Uh, we've been preaching through a series titled Saints and Society through the book of 1 Corinthians. So it's Paul's letter to the church in um, the city of Corinth. And so he writes this letter. We, we are not going to be in that this week. I'm pulling an audible. And so uh, for those of you at home tuning in, welcome. Uh, it's great to have you guys joining the live stream this morning, but we're not going to be uh, where the email was sent out in 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to be back there next week. This morning we're going to be in Psalm 105. So if you're unfamiliar with an audible, I've been told that I use sports language and don't unpack it. So um, I know that some of you guys are familiar with that, but it's just a quick change of plan. So that's what we're doing. And here's the reason why. It's been a difficult week for me. So I'll just say that. So uh, wrestled with a ton of anxiety, a ton of back pain, and, uh, and everything else. And so that's just the honest truth. I, I don't know what else to tell you guys. So it's just been a really difficult week. First Corinthians 14 is, is a very technical text. It is, uh, it, it is a very difficult passage. It is on tongues and prophecy. And so I want to make sure that I'm giving that adequate time. And this week I didn't have adequate time. And so uh, there's some other things uh, go- going on inside the church family because this year is a difficult year for everyone. And that's the reality. And so um, a part of my job is to preach and teach God's Word. That's a big part of my job, but it's also to shepherd the flock. And so um, this week, um, you guys are going to get a psalm because this psalm has been what I've just been meditating on reflecting this week. And so, Ronnie Gogan, one of our other uh, elders, one of our other elders, like we got a lot of them, our other elder, uh, our other elder and our other pastor, he, he uh, says this, he's like, a preacher should be ready to preach in any moment, because they should be able to preach on what they've been meditating on in God's Word throughout the week. And so, what you guys are getting is my meditation and reflection this week uh, from where I've been at in God's Word. So turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm 105 specifically. I love the Psalms. In 2020, I've been living in the Psalms. The older I get, the more I live in the Psalms, and here's why. They are just raw, real, and uncut. I mean, it is is people with intense emotions, and it's it's on the pages in our Bible. And some of the stuff that is said and communicated makes us go, whoa, like, did he say that? Like, Like, he's at a dark spot. They say that. That is incredible that they said that. And, and David says a lot of stuff to where we go, whoa, like, I can't believe you said that. But then God says, this is a man after my own heart. Because David understood he could go to God in whatever state he was in. And many of us have grown up to where we feel like we got to clean ourselves up, get super nice, super pretty, and have a very polished prayer in order to go into the presence of God. And, and honestly, that's contrary and opposite to what the message of Christianity is in, in the sense of Christ cleans us, makes us perfect, and gives us full access to rush into the presence of God. And so, this morning, we're going to be in Psalm 105. And the main point is going to be pretty simple. It's going to be, trust Him. Trust Him. We're going to look at three ways that we can trust Him. We can trust Him, or we can trust in our plans and our ideal outcomes. We can trust Him, and, uh, or we can trust our views of what we think we need. Third, we can trust Him, and we can trust Him with our greatest need. 
and therefore we know that we can trust Him with our smaller needs as well. And so, three areas that we're looking at that we can trust God, and then we're looking at the result of, of our, our, I should say, our alternative. If we're not trusting God, then what are we trusting? We're trusting in someone else, something else, or in ourselves. And so, what we're looking at in Psalm 105 is I'm not a fan of just pulling text out of context, and so let me give a quick context of what's going on in Psalm 105. It's actually a psalm of them reflecting and remembering upon God's goodness and faithfulness in times past. And this is not the only psalm that does this. You can turn to Psalm 78, and you can see it there. And so this is a reflection, and the reality is, is when times get tough and times are difficult, what we can do is we can come, become so consumed with what's going on in and around our, our situation and circumstances in life, or we can start to look back and say, wow, this is the way that God has worked and, and, and the way that He's brought goodness out of really difficult situations in life. And so that's what's going on. And so um, the author is saying, hey, remember the way that God acted like this. And then in the section we're going to be at in today, 12 through uh, 15, he's saying, remember God's faithfulness and how he was faithful to Abraham. Do you remember how crazy Abraham's story was? Remember God's faithfulness in that and, and the way that he faithfully protected him and he called him to trust him. After that, he, he starts talking about Joseph. Remember God's faithfulness? That was a, that was a messy situation in, in scenario to have your brother sell you into slavery to have shackles around your feet and around your neck to be sold into slavery. But God brought goodness through that because through Joseph being sold into slavery, Israel was one day fed during a time of a famine. It, it, it's, it's to show. And after that, it, he, he shows the way that he provided Moses. So it's over and over again. It's, it's remembering and reflecting. Look at the way God's goodness has been displayed in history past. Don't forget God's goodness. And maybe for some of us today, we've forgotten that. Maybe we're not Christians. Maybe we're investigating some of this stuff. What I want you to pull in today and see from the text is, really, you have a couple options. You can trust yourself or you can trust God. And oftentimes we can kind of see the mess that we get ourselves in by just putting our full faith and trust in ourselves. So read, read with me, Psalm 105, verse 12. When they were few in number, talking about the Israelites and, and, and Abraham's family, of, of little account and sojourners in it, talking about the land, Wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people. He allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed one, do my prophets no harm. We know this is God's word to Abraham in Genesis 12. So what this is, and we'll read over it again uh, uh, at the end of this sermon, but it's God saying, look, when, when, when Abraham and his family, when, when the Israelites were few, when they were practically just no one and small, and they were wandering around in, in, in nations from territory to territory, when they were sojourners, when they were aliens in the land, I didn't allow people to press them. When they were out wandering around, feeling vulnerable, I took care of them. I provided for them, and I didn't let kings mess with them. And I let no one bring harm to them. Why? Because that was a promise that God had given to Abraham. So with that, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would move us this morning to re-trust. God, it's so easy for us to place trust in everything else in life, in school, in education, in sports, in marriages, in family, in careers. But God, especially in ourselves, our strategies, our performance, I pray that you would realign trust this morning that we would ultimately trust not in what our hands can do, but what in Christ has done for us. 
that we would trust not in our best day and our best efforts, but we would trust in the obedience of Christ. Holy Spirit, minister to us this morning. We are declaring our need for you to encourage us, to strengthen us, to remind us and put our trust in God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In order for me to do justice to this, we need to go back <clears throat> and understand the account of what was going on in Genesis with Abraham. And so again, since this whole psalm is about remembering and reflecting and remembering but, uh, by looking back and seeing this story, what I was doing this week too is just looking back and, and remembering the story of, way, uh, of the way that God has provided for His people. And so if we go back to Genesis 12, we can see what exactly is happening here and why this is a significant big deal in Psalm 105. So Genesis 12, 1-4 says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house, the land that I will show you. Okay? And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's just pause that and come back to verse 4. So, Notice, notice this. This is section one. We can either trust Him and we can trust God or we can start to trust our plans and, 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 and our perfect ideals and whatever we see the outcome of our life needing to be. Notice the itinerary that God gives Abram. N notice how He just lines it all out for him so clearly. Abram has a set life. He, he, he has a family, he has a lot of comfort where he's at in a stage in his life. And so God's like, hey, go ahead and leave. And for the first three months, you'll be doing this. For the next six, you'll be doing this. At year one, it's going to look like this. Then after that, don't worry, I've got it all mapped out. It's going to get difficult. There's going to be some times of famine. But then don't worry, from this moment on, uh, 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 from year one to year two, it's going to look like this. God does not do that. God does not lay out a detailed itinerary for him. He just tells him, he's like, get up and go. Go from your father's house, go from all you know, and go to the land that I will show you. He's, he's like, you didn't get to see the land, he's like, I'm going to show you where that's at. To any A-type person, to, to any person who loves details, this is when like, you develop a twitch. Like, this is a significant moment that you have to just embark on and head out and go, man, I don't know the details, and I like details. What God's calling me is to do is just to trust Him. And here's the reality, is oftentimes we want details and we want to know the way things will turn out because then we can get consumed by the details and the way things will turn out and then what we actually do is just focus all of our attention on that instead of actually trusting God in the midst of the season that we're in. And so if, if God might have told Abraham, hey, this is going to happen, 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 it's not actually causing Abram to trust him and give the fullness of his trust to him. He didn't give him all those details. And honestly, I can only imagine what it would be like for the other people who set out with him. There was only a few of them, but they must have been like, this is a little bit crazy. Like, we don't really have a solid plan that's happening right now. What we're told is that I will bless you. And, and, and those who dishonor you or those who come at you or try to hurt you, I will curse them. Later on in Genesis 15, God says to Abram, He says, fear not, I am your shield. So the only thing that really... Abram is supposed to do what his family is supposed to do is just trust God. Not the outcome, not the plans, not what it's going to look like, not in what the land will be like, anything like that. He just says, trust Him. 
This made Abram so vulnerable. Why? Keep reading the last verse. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. <laughs> was he young? No. Abram was 75 years old when he departed. So he's leaving his home. He's leaving all his comforts. He's leaving his family. He's leaving all the stuff he knows. And he's embarking on this journey without a lot of details. It's 75 years old. Vulnerable. He's going to wander through territories where, where, where other kings are there where oppressors are there, and he's going to wander as an alien, as a sojourner throughout this territory. And, and as he does that, he's going to be in a vulnerable position. Why? Because he's very small in number. He has his nephew, and he has his wife and a few others with him. They're not big. They're not a lot. That is vulnerable. Honestly, I hate being vulnerable. A couple months ago, I was crying in my backyard. And you guys might think this sounds ridiculous, but like I was crying because I couldn't put much pressure on my right leg or stand, so I was using a crutch. And then anytime I got out of my car, I didn't want to look vulnerable. And so I would, I, would, I would stand up slowly and then I would wait and act like I was stretching until I could walk so I wouldn't walk with a limp or something like that. And I understand that for some of you guys, that sounds ridiculous. But for all of my life, what, what I've tried to do is protect myself from ever looking vulnerable, vulnerable before other people. Even got into the world of MMA in a lot of ways to protect myself from ever having to look vulnerable before other people. I don't like to look vulnerable. I remember crying in my backyard and just telling my wife, like, this is something I can't fix. Like, like, I can't just grind through it. I can't just grit through this. And I just feel vulnerable in this season of life. What God was calling Abraham to do was so vulnerable. Go out and, and set out on this journey without all the plans, without all the details, without all the outcomes, and just trust me. And right now, our reality is, is that we like plans, we like details, we like strategies, we like outcomes, but maybe God's calling us to trust Him instead of all those things. And if we even look back at Psalm 105, what we start to see is, is that He was. He was a sojourner. He was wandering. It doesn't say that He was settled. He was wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. Do you know at what point Abraham had to take 318 men and go up against the kings of the land, and God gave him victory. So we see the way that God actually protected him. We see the way that God was his shield. The next point is this. <clears throat> is trust Him, not your view of what you think you need. Trust Him, not your view of what you think you need. And what I mean by this is, oftentimes we confuse blessing for a lack of hardships in our life. Blessing from God as God promises Abraham, I will bless you, doesn't mean that there's not going to be hardships in his life. They went through famines. They went through a lot of hard and difficult things. They went through territories. They were trying to, uh, they were trying to get to the promised land. Like, like it, it was a difficult path before them. Uh, the blessing of God wasn't an absence of hardship. And oftentimes in our American prosperity gospel culture is this, is that if you're doing well and you're healthy and, and all of that, it's because God is, is, is really impressed with you. It's because you're making all the right choices and, and God is blessing you and the blessing comes by monetary things. But the reality is, 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 is if we look at the Bible, that's not a reality. That, that, that God's blessing is His very presence with His children at all times, never leaving, never forsaking, never abandoning people regardless of what they're going through. But we say blessing, we, 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 we redefine blessing. Blessing is healthy family, healthy marriage. Blessing is wealth. Blessing is degrees. Blessing is success. Blessing is all these things. So when there's an absence of these things, we think somehow that we are being cursed by God. In fact, 
Sometimes what God does and what His blessing is, is to put us in difficult situations in life to actually remove our trust from self and self-reliance and self-independence. He starts to strip us away and it's a painful process. But it's actually a good thing. So we can either trust Him or we can trust what we think we need and what we think our ideal outcome should be or what we think a blessing should be. Or we can trust again that maybe God is taking us through hardships and difficult seasons in life and our families and whatever's going on because He's teaching us to not put all of our self-reliance and trust in ourselves, but actually to put it in Him. Paul understood this. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 says this, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Okay? Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, and I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. What is Paul saying? He's saying that he understands that God's blessing, God's love, God's acceptance, God's favor doesn't mean that there's going to be an absence of hardships. In fact, he, he, he recognizes the hardships are the very things that keep him grounded to the fact of how much he needs God's grace and how much he actually needs Christ and the sufficiency of Christ in his life. And without those things, he understands, I would just be a puffed up, conceited, self-righteous jerk. But these things keep me grounded to say, man, I am in desperate need of grace. And here's the other reality. Is we, we want a blessing and we want monetary things. And so what we'll oftentimes say is, man, I just want to get through 2020. I just want to get through this season. Or we'll tell people stuff like this, which I can't send. Hey, God's going to close this door because He's going to open up a better door for you. And so what you've done, instead of putting someone's hope in Christ, is you've put their hope into another door being open. And the reality is, is if we're just hoping to get through 2021 because we think 2021 might be better, God might bring the whole house down. And that's not going to preach well or fill up auditoriums, but the reality is, is if you look at Job's story, God sometimes brings the whole house down. Because what God is teaching you more and more than uh, you to transfer hope here, transfer hope here, transfer hope there, is to put all of your trust in Him. Not in the next door opening up, not in the next year of 2021, not in the next season of life. And I know our seasons of life is difficult right now for many of you. For us too, for, for my family, me, me personally. It's difficult. But our hope is not just to get out or get through this. Our hope is that God is with us, presently active in every detail in our lives here and now. That's our blessing. And honestly, it might be part of God's blessing for us as a country to have some of our idols knocked down. To, to have some of the areas that we put our trust knocked down and for us to actually look and see, like, where is our hope? And it can be a call for us to say, are we trusting in God? Are we trusting in Christ? Last, trust Him. And we can trust Him here. If we can trust God with our greatest need, then we can start to trust Him in the smaller things. So we have to ask this, why did God choose Abraham and why the nation of Israel? Was it because they were doing awesome things? Was it because they were big? Was it because they were a really good looking group of people? Why did God choose them? If there was something they were doing, then God was stirred up in, with his emotions to say, man, I think they're awesome. I want to love them. But the reality is, is it wasn't anything they were doing. It wasn't how big they were or anything like that. Deuteronomy 7 
7 through 8 says this. I think we have a slide for it. If not, don't worry. I'll read it to you. <clears throat> Maybe. Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 8. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest, the smallest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that He swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery. What God is saying is this. The reason Abraham, the reason Israel, is not because they were big, grand, glorious, strong, or anything like that. They were actually the smallest and the weakest. It wasn't something they were doing that was stirring up God's love. It was out of God's own love, His own goodness, and His own faithfulness for them that He said, I'm giving my love to you. That is good news. Because if we think that it's something that we're doing that is stirring up God's love for us, then we're always going to be insecure. God's love for us flows from His own goodness, His own faithfulness, and His own love for those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So moment by moment, it's not something you're doing. Moment by moment, it is God's goodness, His grace, and His love, and His faithfulness toward us. Our greatest vulnerability is greater than Abraham's vulnerability to leave everything he knew. Our greatest vulnerability for Christians is to say, do I put my soul, faith, and trust in Jesus Christ and everything that He has done? This is what we call the Gospel, which translates good news. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you have two options. Either you trust in living a really moral life, which if you're being honest, you're not that moral and you're not that awesome. And what I mean by that is if you compare yourself to the people in the room, then you're going to look decent. But if you compare yourself to God's standards of utter perfection, then you're not that good. But we like to compare ourselves to our neighbors. But simply, God says this, or His Word says this, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every second of every day, are you loving God with all your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength? And so that's kind of like a, like a moral compass. If this is the greatest commandment, if we can be honest, we're not doing that, then we can be honest and say that we have fallen short of God's perfect standard. And so what we ultimately need is we need Christ to come. And, and what the Gospel is is this. You can either put trust in your moral life or you can put trust in Christ's moral obedience for you. And, in other words, He lived this earth in utter obedience to God, fulfilling every one of God's commands. So the Bible isn't a bunch of good guys and bad guys. It's actually just one good guy and one hero. Abraham was vulnerable because he had to put trust in God, leaving everything he known. We become vulnerable whenever we actually put our trust and faith in the gospel, and here's why. We love to look to things that we can do and say, God, we're like little children. Or we're like a little child that says, God, Father, look what I've done. I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. And God's response is this to that to this mentality of, look what I've done now, love me. We're saying, love me because look what I've done. And God's response is that, I look at what my son has done for you and that is the sole basis of why I love you. You see, we have this tendency to go, okay, God, I'm doing this, so you must love me. And God says, my son has done all of this. That is the sole basis why I love you. It makes us vulnerable because it's a foreign concept to us. And everything else in life, it's about what we give and what we put out. And as long as we work our butts off, as long as we work hard, do everything, then, then this is what you get. The gospel makes us vulnerable because we show up with nothing. We can't give anything and we can't do anything once we've put our trust and faith in Jesus to make him love us more or make him love us less. We can't strengthen the love of God for us. It's full and it's sufficient in Christ. That's vulnerable. 
Because we want so bad to say, look, I have this, or look, I've done this, or look, I've done this. It's vulnerable to cast yourself into the arms of someone and say, I have to put all my trust and faith that you will love me regardless because your son has done all the work needed for me. Our greatest need is not for God to fix whatever's going on in your life right now. That is not your greatest need. And, and I know that that might sound like I'm diminishing it or it might sound insensitive, but honestly, I'm not. But your greatest need is that you are reconciled to the Creator which you were intended to have a relationship with. That is your greatest problem. You can't do that. Christ does it for you. And here's the reality. You can spend the rest of your life saying, here's what my hands have done, and here's what I, I, I can do. Or you can put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ to say, here's what my hands have done, and here's what I've provided for you. And the same hands that had nails through them to provide you to be reconciled to God are now the same hands when you put your trust and faith in Him that hold every situation and circumstance in your life. You don't have to question how much God loves you because He's proven it through Christ in the cross. Those same hands that brought about your reconciliation and redemption are the same hands that are holding your life, your situation, and your circumstances in it. And I can promise you that we can trust Him that He's going to do whatever is best for us, though it might not feel like that in the moment. You see, we're more vulnerable than Abraham is, but Abraham got this too, because it says in Genesis 15.6 that Abraham actually trusted God and believed Him, and then he was counted as righteous. And for us, if we want to be righteous before God, what we have to do is surrender and lay down everything that we want to put our trust and faith in, even our moral obedience and efforts, and say, my trust is in Christ. It says this in Romans 4, 2-5. through For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteous. So he believes, and God says, this is your righteousness, belief, trust. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as due. So when you work, your gifts are counted to you. You work, here's your gifts. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So in other words, to the one who works, you have to look to your work. To the one who doesn't work, God says, this is my gift to you, my son's work on your behalf. Trust in that. And, and then here's the deal. When we put our trust that God has dealt with our greatest need and our greatest problem, then we can trust that He's actually involved intimately with every detail and every circumstance and everything that's going on in our lives right now. It's going to be really difficult for you to actually believe that if you don't believe that God has already taken care of the grand things in your life, that He's going to take care of the smaller things as well. I know this. And I'm speaking for myself, but also for others. The 2020 has been a horrific year. For our family, just with kids, with, with, with all those dynamics. I think I've battled more with depression and anxiety this year than maybe ever. <laughs> and especially this week alone, it has just been horrific. And I know that for some of you guys at home, some of you guys in here, things are unraveling. That's a reality. I know that families are unraveling. I know that, I, I don't think Ronnie would mind me sharing, but, but I mean, they're at home with four kids all under the age of five. It's difficult. There's a lot of difficult things that people are going through right now. This is a difficult season and it's a difficult year. But I think God's call to us is this question, will you trust me? And I think our response is to him is either I will trust you or I will trust myself or something else. My prayer and honest hope for us is that we would trust him 
and that we would trust Him in all the situations and circumstances that are going on in our life right now. I know people are broken and I know people are hurting. And either we can trust Him again or we can trust ourselves. Let let me say this in closing. Two things. You can't do it alone. Okay? And, and, And so... Community is not some cute sentiment. Christian community is, is, is what we're actually called to live in and with. We are called to hold one another accountable. We are called to encourage one another. We, we, we are called to do that. Jesus, in one of his darkest moments in his life, called his three closest friends and said, will you please pray for me? If Jesus Christ, God himself, is asking people, people to pray for him, let's not be so prideful that we don't invite people into our lives. Let's step into community. Let's step in. Let's be faithful that we desperately, if there's a time the church needs community, if there's a time that we need the saints to be faithful to one another, if there's a time that we need to invite people in, let's do that now. And last, I would say this. Take some time whenever we move into communion now just to wrestle with this, whether Christian or not, and say, God, will you show me where my trust is at? And in the areas where I'm elevating myself or other things and putting my trust in there, will you graciously remove those things and, and put, uh, put you and put Christ and everything he's done back to central my life, uh, back into the central part of my life and increase my trust and faith and confidence in Christ and in you and in your goodness and faithfulness. Let's pray. God, I confess that in this season it's hard to trust. But as one man said, when we can't make sense of Your hands, I pray we would trust Your heart. When we can't make sense of what You're doing in 2020, when we can't make sense of what You've done, let us go back and remember even the psalm. That look back and trace Your hands and Your faithfulness throughout history, God. For thousands of years, this story is now our story. We can see the way you've moved and worked in and through our lives. Let us rejoice and let us trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.